Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open loops. and Consciousness Disruptor, Chief Looper Greg Bornstein here. Welcome to another interlude amidst the late night talk show for the shamelessly fringe. Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Conversations that bend. And you know, this is kind of the conversation part, isn't it? You know, even late night shows have the monologue in the beginning, but we're not just trying to go, ha ha, he he. We want to delve into something a little special, a little fringe, a little out there. I slept through my mind machine today. Well, I don't know if I slept through, but I definitely, I, I put on this session with the light and sound machine manufactured by Casina. They give you these GANs frames with LED lights. You put them on, you put in the headphones attached to this, basically an MP3 player that is programmed to sync up with these lights. And the idea being that the lights in the sound synchronize together and, and provide your eyes, with your eyes closed in this case, with a spectrum of colors that can entrain your brain to go to altered states of consciousness it's what all the kids want this year for christmas yes it is uh it, it's a really cool toy uh i i i say it's a toy i mean it's 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 a it's a life-changing device right this notion that you can put something on and, and go into a meditative state without doing all the work of it uh it's it's fantastic i mean yes greg monks sit around with their legs crossed on hills they sit and do nothing, and even I'm too lazy to do that. Give me the meditation toy. Give me the meditation toy. Um, yeah, so I put on the relaxation with chime session today, which let me tell you, a lot better than what I did this morning. The, uh, I believe it was the focus session. And the thing is, you're not supposed to sit back during the focus session you actually have to physiologically adjust to the thing that the light and sound machine is doing to you so if you're and this is my mistake when i used to use it, i'm like oh i get to nap again right when i focus in the morning uh i.e i get to you know 
press the alarm and sleep another 20 minutes. Uh, so <laughs> now the point is focus means you need to be in more active state. They recommend even exercising, standing up, maybe doing jumping jacks. Well, they didn't get me with the jumping jacks, but I did stand up and do a little little stretches uh, here and there as I was going through uh, Focus this morning, and, and it gave me a buzz. I still wanted my coffee after, but it definitely woke me to a certain extent, and then uh, relaxation with chimes. Well, first of all, I should mention the problem with Focus is it's 30 minutes now, there's another session called Energize. I believe it's around 12 minutes. But why is focus 30 minutes of, you know, lights blinking at you with your eyes closed? I mean, it's just hard when you can't see to do a lot of physical activity. Um, you know, I, I, I just, uh, I mean, maybe, you, maybe you, you've gone out on a date with someone that looked a lot better when you were drinking a dark light. And then you're stuck with them that night and you still have to kiss them and and your eyes are closed. You know what? Focus would be good for that. It would be good in, in rare situations of accidental uh, romantic engagement. But what I will say is that the 15-minute chime session I thought was going to be too short because I was exhausted this afternoon. And, and I put it down. I laid on the couch. Maybe that's the mistake, the lying down all the way to the point where I could actually fall asleep and <laughs> I, I think I woke up very quickly. I, the session ended. I, I went into an altered state, or was it a trance? Was it a, was, I, was it a nap? I mean, I woke up when the lights ended. And then I put my head back down and went all the way back for, for more napping. So clearly I know my sleep schedule is messed up. But uh, I definitely, definitely recommend if you're, if you're looking for cool ways of meditating... Uh, the the link is in the show notes, mindplace.com. Uh, it's it's such an interesting such an interesting technology uh, these guys have have put together, and uh, they're different versions, right? There's the eye open version, the one with the eyes closed. I think that's probably the best way to start the the Casina Mind Media Machine. That's the classic, the go to, the gold standard. Uh, I I think it's a very cool thing. So I Highly, highly recommend checking it out now. Where have we left off? I, I, I was just kind of uh, waxing about my life, I suppose. I was just kind of, um, you know, it's interesting. So here's what I discovered is that maybe sometimes you, you, we, we get rid of the thing that brings us the most joy, the thing that could be closest to us is maybe the thing we need to do every day no matter what. I mean, I go through phases. Now look, and this is what I mean about this podcast, um, is that when I'm going on, oh my gosh, you can hear it already, right? You can hear where this episode is going. Somebody on, I'm going to prove this guy's point, just that I hope you're listening, King James on YouTube, uh, who says, Greg... No, he doesn't say Greg. I'd be more honored if he did in a way. The, uh, the interview I did with Eric Hecker, he goes, rambling goes on till 19 minutes in and then Eric shows up. Yeah, I'm aware this is a ramble. Of course it is, because that's the nature of the show, bucko. Uh, 
yeah, maybe it stings. It stings. Nah, you know what? Here's the deal, though. Not everybody's going to like this. Not everybody's going to like me. I know some of you listen to are willing to listen to people like Ellen DeGeneres for years, whose comedy is a blend between jokes and rambles. She's one of the most rambling comedians, and yet all of you supported her. Actually, none of my guests or or the majority of people that would like this show uh, support anyone associated with Epstein. But, yeah, for the most part, uh, up until, you know, that logbook came up, uh, y'all supported her. You did. So... I'm not, I have not been on any planes with, with billionaires that have uh, done heinous acts, as far as I'm aware, but uh, if my name does show up in a logbook one day, I am, look, oh, I, I don't want to, I, I, I am not at this point, nor have I ever been suicidal. Uh, that's part one, uh, just because you, you got to get that in there. Um, but two, I, I no, I am... I am definitely going to make sure that I don't have the same publicist as Prince Andrew. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so, what? I, I, I suppose that uh, as we're, we're going on this little journey here and discovering if this show can be conversational without actually having an interview guest... Um, I, I still think it can. I think it can. And and what I wanted to point out was that as I was yesterday just kind of racking my head around going, oh, my gosh, what is this podcast going to be about? What can I talk about? What's What did I – where's the inspiration that I used to have for Open Loops? Where did it go? Is it still here? I picked up a book, and I read it, and it wasn't even a, you know, a fringe book. It was it was the this book called The Way of the Intelligent Rebel. Um which is, I believe the author is Oliver Rowland. And guess what? I was sitting there and I went, oh, yeah, I can absolutely share ideas with you and and be this, uh, I, I don't know what, what it was. I mean, is it a unconscious thought leader in the space? Somebody that loves sharing the technology. And let's be real, I do love the technology. I mean, I don't want to be one of these people that, and there are a lot of these people out there that any second they can in real life talk about, oh, but do you know, in terms of neurolinguistic programming, guess what? I, I just did two episodes like that. But that's because it was in this realm. See, in the real world, I have been told, and maybe this will change because I part of my mission is to get hypnosis and NLP and these these mind technological advances in my personal opinion out there to the people. You're not supposed to go around and be like, oh, I'm into studying human behavior and, and the subconscious mind and stuff like that. Um, you know, it looks a little socially strange. Why? Maybe because it's a meta skill. And, and you're just supposed to be able to talk about anything. You don't need to be talking about talking and yet my problem is and i've been facing this since i was in high school since i was in middle school elementary back to preschool talked about this really early on in this podcast is that that is all i think about i am thinking about thinking i say you know it's interesting right we're talking about the metaverse 
we're talking about meta patterns of neurolinguistic thought. Uh, we're talking about the meta model. We're talking about meta in terms of what is hypnosis about the higher level of what hypnosis is. This show is pretty much about everything meta, metaphysics. Uh, I did just say that, right? Yeah, it, it's it in it, it it's everything meta except the metaverse. I support that. And it's what I'm going to keep talking about. And it's probably what I'm going to talk about openly, too, because, again, I love this stuff. But that said, my friend Andrew T. Austin strikes again because I love this guy. Andrew Austin has a great YouTube channel where for $1.99 a month, I believe, he shares a lot of his teachings on change work with people. And he is one of the few heroes that is calling out all the BS in this mind technology self-help seminar industry. I, I live for that. I love the controversy I've talked about before, how I think the controversies behind NLP are sometimes even more interesting. And I, I probably should do like a whole series on this, maybe like a well-documented My Favorite Murder style Here's what happened this year, and here's what's effed up about that kind of thing. Um, but he posted something that I want to run through with you because it's a great way to talk about the principles of neurolinguistic programming without actually just having it stay at that. He made this drawing. I'm going to go through it, and I'm going to give all the credit in the world to Andrew for this because it is brilliant, and it's so needed Today we're going to go through a little sign, a little a little post called The Narcissist's Guide to Gaslighting with NLP. I love this post. It's got four points, and, it, and it's not even the only four. There are more. There's a lot more. But this will shed light on some of the easiest principles in neurolinguistic programming, which, brief reminder... Uh, it, it came from the work of Richard Bandler and John Grinder and a couple other people, but they were the main ones. They were, um, what, Richard Bandler was a computer programmer, John Grinder was a linguist, University of Santa Cruz. They, uh, well, they, they kind of, a couple different ways they joined forces. I mean, uh, Richard Bandler became interested in therapists and, and applying what he knew about computer programming to the human mind, studied some great therapists, was interested, and then John Grinder was very familiar with Noam Chomsky's model of language, saw the linguistic aspects of what these amazing therapists who were cut above the rest were doing, got together with Richard, and basically they formulated a, a methodology of modeling subjective behavior, what makes an individual person great at what they do, and then breaking it down to neurological, psychological, and linguistic principles that one can learn from themselves to produce the results that they want. Sometimes it's about being really great at a sport or, or learning something better than others. What are the things in people's heads? Do they, for instance, the spelling strategy... People that are good at spelling tend to make big pictures of the words in their head and can see the letters. People that aren't 
don't blow up the word to be that big. They're, they might just have an auditory strategy where they hear the sounds out loud and they can't quite connect it to what the letters would be. That's one example. But then the other is, of course, what I've talked about numerous times, everybody does, is the fast phobia cure. What's the difference between people that can get over a lifelong phobia and people that can't? And can you distill a process that anyone can use from it? Very cool stuff. Huge fan. My mentor, Jeffrey Stevens, who I I was so lucky before he passed to take a class with him. And I, I could do a whole nother episode about him. Uh, I asked him once, since I really looked at him as a hypnosis connoisseur, a true expert, I said, what do you think about NLP? And he goes, Greg... It's it's hypnosis. They talk about it all the time. It's because they couldn't say hypnosis in a academic and corporate kind of setting without freaking everybody out. They came up with this term, neurolinguistic programming. But if you look at all the processes, it's it's waking hypnosis. And sometimes it's not even waking hypnosis. They have their eyes closed too. So I still think about that. I, I definitely think... I mean, it's there. They really can be construed as one of the one and the same. Uh, coaches might use NLP in, in a more open way. It's more acceptable, especially in the corporate setting in the UK for some reason, uh, where they're into all this mind size stuff, um, pseudo psi, quote unquote, sometimes. But the point is, it is a method of using the imagination often or or the way you construct the world which is the imagination your inner world as a means of getting to your highest human potential very cool and there are a lot of presuppositions in NLP and uh rather than go through all of those the the key tenets of NLP um Let's just talk about the four points that the Narcissist's Guide to Gaslighting with NLP brings up. So, we'll start with one. Calling someone a polarity responder. What is a polarity responder? Now, this, I believe, comes from the structure of magic. Uh, the, the first delving into of one of the therapists they models worked, Virginia Satir, and basically a polarity responder is somebody that is naturally conditioned to say the opposite. I know these people pretty well. They're contrarians. I, I, I'm related to some of these people. Uh, you know, when you, when you say, uh, yeah, so I think it would be a great idea to go to this movie tonight. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure a movie's the best thing. You seem like you're very happy. Yeah, but I'm not really that happy. Polarity responders. For some reason, these people give you the opposite. They're they're kind of just contrarians in a way. They're they 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 are responding to the opposite polarity with which you put on them. Interesting idea. Certainly useful to know about someone if you're trying to get them to change and, and open up possibilities in their mind beyond that which they already are viewing the world through, which we're going to get to with point three coming up. But the idea is that their construction of the world always kind of has this 
and even as I say always, I would challenge that because it's not always in the meta model principles, but you're going against it's against you have to fight against it. How does a narcissist gaslight with this? How does a NLP practitioner that is way too into their own stuff and wants to act superior to you because they understand how their mind works and your mind works better than you do? So I'm going to make you feel kind of crazy talking about NLP. That's the idea of gaslighting, right? It's the word of this year. Um, hey, who knew this was a New Year special too? Um, yes, so... If you're going to gaslight, it's very simple to just try to, no matter what, if someone doesn't like your opinion, especially if you're in a relationship, come up with a label and say you're a polarity responder. And it's less calling them out in a way, and this might be where I challenge Andrew, I don't know if he agrees or not, but uh, it's less about calling someone out and getting the truth right of being a polarity responder of of whether they're someone that contradicts everything. That's why, oh, this is who you are. That's why you behave this way. I guess that is a piece of it, too. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, that. That, you know, actually pointing out the behavior in a dissociated way from the behavior, which in itself is hypnotic, dissociating something. And if you look at that arm down there, wherever your arm is right now, maybe you can feel it tingling a little bit. The fact that I said that arm instead of your arm allows it to potentially have more room to do something unusual than if I just said it's your arm where you're associated into it. So when you label someone this, just because you don't like the fact that they disagree with you with your stupid ideas, then all of a sudden you have the upper hand. Because you see their issue, you can tell their behavior is is this in this certain way. It's it's the opposite of what what uh, the the way they necessarily should be reacting, which is in agreement with you. Also, again, dissociating, labeling, labeling the person polarity responder boxes them. You are doing the very thing that NLP is designed to undo. You're putting them in a box. So now they think they're in this box and, and maybe they maybe something's not right. Why am I this way? Why why do I respond negatively? Thus gaslighting. Speaking of which, another great one here, number two. Tell them they have limiting beliefs. Yes. NLP, limiting beliefs, um, and in general, I mean, coaching loves this. Change your beliefs, change your beliefs, change your life. Uh, you can, you know, you, you just have to rewrite the story in your head of what you believe. NLP has a very simple model of beliefs. They talk about if X, arrow sign, then Y. That's the construction generally of a belief. Um, because this is this way, then I believe this is the case. Uh, because I am overweight, I'm not the type of person that someone loves. Yeah, but you, you can challenge that, right? Well, is everybody that's in a relationship actually of sound, healthy weight? Okay, so, so what makes you less deserving of love than others? Limiting beliefs. There are lots of 
very interesting and clever NLP processes to shift a belief. Uh, I've heard Freddie Jackwin, the master hypnotist, uh, talk about how all hypnosis is is really the art of, of altering belief systems. And one could even take it to the level of pain control, right? You are no longer, if you believe that something is going to cause you pain, well, you're probably going to be more pained. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't some kind of a numbing that goes on. I mean, I've seen demonstrations of people who have done the classic needle and, oh gosh, like needles and pinching skin and you go, oh, but after they've been hypnotized to hypnotically have an anesthetic without any substances, really cool, they don't experience the pain. But I have to tell you, having the belief system that it's going to be painful is a large part of it. So when we're dealing with the mind and what constructs the mind, we're dealing with beliefs. And telling someone that they have limiting beliefs is such just a blanket way of making it seem like there is a... It's almost in the same way that I feel, and I've been on the other end of this, that spiritual healers will talk about blocks. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of love blocks or abundance blocks. I mean, look, I, I get that. Maybe this post is even a little tongue-in-cheek because there's nothing wrong with identifying a limiting belief if someone has it. But if you're in what's seemingly a non-coaching dynamic with someone and you start telling someone they have limiting beliefs and, and you're aware of that, similarly to the polarity responder, it assumes an authority. It assumes that you see something into them that they don't. You can drive someone crazy by them not even knowing what is holding myself back. I mean, what are all the things? I've sometimes thought about it. Have you ever sat down and thought about all the beliefs that you've had that might be holding you back from being the most happy and reaching your full potential? That's a lot to do. You don't have to do that work. I'm sure it can help you, but in a dynamic relationship, uh, you're telling someone they have limiting beliefs about themselves. It's just another control mechanism. And it might not always be true. Three, tell them their map is not the territory. This is great. I love this. So this is a, uh, a great tenant of NLP. It's the whole thing. I know I talked about it a little bit in the episode before this, that we all have mental maps of the way we represent concepts in our head. Yes, yes we do. But here's the situation. What we're processing gets generalized, deleted, and distorted through our unique perception of things. When I look around my bedroom, I don't necessarily see what somebody else sees when they come in. But... I have a sense of, of the warmth and comfort it brings me. And somebody else might go, oh, this is really cool. This is different. And they just have like a whole experience of the room that I might not even have. That said, also it could just be a room. And perception's not involved at all. The territory is different than the way me and my friend are representing it in our minds. The map is not the territory. This goes for everything in life. 
maps of the world are not the territory of the world because it's flat. Just kidding. I'm I'm not convinced yet. Uh, but yes, so you have to understand that when somebody tells somebody else that their map is not the territory, and I don't, again, this is a pretty funny tongue-in-cheek one, but you're basically telling someone that what they think in their head is not the way reality actually is. If anything, this is a play on what narcissists do anyways without any NLP. I mean, it's the joke is that it is NLP that is that is being used as gaslighting, but, but it's still... I mean, NLP trainers say stuff like this. I had people commenting saying, oh, I've heard stuff like this in seminars before. Your map is not the territory. Guess what? Yeah, but your territory is not the territory either. Your sense of territory, because guess what? You're processing it through your own map, you selfish piece of crap. No one can tell you that their map is not the territory. That assumes you know the exact territory. Makes no sense. We all have our unique perceptions. We all we all don't even... Things are contextual. The way one person processes uh, the relationship to a father can be different than their grandfather, and they could be doing the same action, giving gifts, but, you know, you, you, you might want to treat one person differently than the other because of what you've been through with each individual because every relationship is different. See, this is what Richard Bandler started on but never really could hang his hat on. I'm I'm not even sure, you know, yeah, Richard Bandler might be a computer programmer, but the point is humans are not computers. Computers sit as objects away from, you know, humans are are cybernetic systems. They're holographic systems. They they reflect. They well, this is what Einstein's whole thing is about, right? Our perception of the thing directly impacts our experience of the thing. Also this quantum mechanics aspect of things too. Point is, more and more the research shows how much individual consciousness shapes all of reality. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's it, it, look into the research. I mean, there's some weird stuff about the mind out there. So the point is, no one has it exactly right. Computers, if they can interface with the mind, uh, bug off, Elon. Um, you know, there's there there's everything. The outputs are going to be different. That's what's. When the world treats you like your inputs and outputs are the same, i.e. they display something that you should desire, this lifestyle you should desire, but every human's different. My gosh, imagine a world where people put commercials up about going off-grid, living in the woods. Guess what? That's what some people want to do with their whole lives. And until it becomes extremely commercial and profitable, the people in power won't because they think you're a computer. Yeah, we're all being gaslit by advertising. Fantastic. Okay, finally, uh, four, tell them if, <laughs> I love this one, tell them if it was important to them. I love them all, I told you. Andrew Austin, such a cool guy. Tell them if it was important to them, they'd find the money. Yep, 
This is what a coach does all the time. I've been in this position. Well, it sounds like you really do want to become a become a great podcaster, Greg. But the fact that you're not willing to invest in yourself tells me maybe you don't want it enough. You'll hear that from coaches. People are taught scripts like that. People are taught principles of sales where because it's an individual project, i.e. it's about you, and even they do this in acting school, unfortunately. They really do sometimes. It's uh, it's not great. Um, but when you are working with somebody that is dealing with human emotions and it's all about you giving direct money to them so they can work with you to fix you, a coach, whatever that is, well, that's the lever they can pull. Yeah, well, you can't invest in me because you're not investing in yourself. Sometimes you just don't have the money. NLP trainers do this. Landmark. Tons of these different, I mean, I'm sure Nixium, you saw the Nixium cult do this. All the different cults do this. Osho. Oh, yeah, you don't want to give. And even churches do this, right? Well, you can you spare a few dollars for the Lord? How much do you love the Lord? How much do you want to get into heaven? And LPers do it, but they do it about you because they're all about getting to your, your place of excellence, your human potential, and clearly you don't have potential in yourself if you can't afford it. Definitely things to watch out for. Andrew T. Austin of 23NLPeople.com and the YouTube channel, which I'll link to. I'll give this guy some credit. Uh, the four points, again, Narcissist Guide to Gaslighting with NLP. One, call them a polarity responder. Two, tell them they have limiting beliefs. Three, tell them their map is not the territory. And four, tell them if it was important to them, they'd find the money. And if this podcast is important to you at all, or you're important to yourself at all, please make sure to follow it, subscribe to it, and if you go to CUDA, ratethispodcast.com forward slash open loops, type that into your browser, ratethispodcast.com forward slash open loops, rate the show, leave a review, I would greatly appreciate it, because any review you leave is just an investment in yourself.